Welcome to The Naked Podcaster. I'm your host, Jen Taylor. A huge shout out and thank you to NGBN TV for bringing you this video podcast episode. In today's interview, I'm interviewing Sonia Sigler. This is a coaching interview. Sonia is a lawyer and executive a coach. She takes me through clarity, my top skills, exchanging tasks and time, solving problems and mindset changes to help my business grow. Welcome to the Naked Podcast, where today I have Sonia Sigler again in a coaching episode. Sonia, how are you? I'm excellent. I'm so glad to be here again with you today, Jen. And we pre-gamed and had fun, and that was great. So I'm on your website. All of your information is in the show notes, but your website is soniasigler.com. It's your name. Yep. So that makes it super easy. Jump in and tell us about what you do. And I don't want to forget the free book, because that's a huge... Yeah. How we did this coaching so you go ahead and jump in great why don't i just start with the free book it's soniasigler.com slash book super easy my first and last name and slash book and there you know all of your listeners can just put their information in and they'll get an email um, with a download of the book so that can help them get started so i think what you and i chatted about was a little bit about the book topic in terms of welcome to the next level and what i do with people and and I really concentrate on you know business people, business professionals who are trying to figure out what's next. They're stuck, they may be ready to quit. They're like, why haven't I been promoted? I've, or I started this business a year ago, it's not taking off like I thought. Um, those are the people that I help and I spend time with them figuring out what's really going on. And I think all of the training that I've had as a lawyer and as a startup executive has really led me to a place of giving advice over the however many years I've been in business. Plus the part that I think is different about me and really what I like to concentrate on and hopefully you'll get a really good flavor of this today is I like to listen. And I really like to understand what's going on between the words, the words that you don't say and synthesize what you're actually worried about what you're actually being held back by what's stopping you and so then I can give actual honed in advice that matters for you so hopefully you'll get a little taste of that today and we'll see what happens but that's the the book and the website and uh, the type of people that I help so let's see what's going on with you tell me a little bit about your business right now because you've been doing some things over the last three months that have like amped up and given you a little bit different direction so tell me a little about that i have you know what i've always been mom of 18 so that was actually probably the single most difficult thing for me to embrace which is that doesn't that sounds weird right but because if i meet you hi sonia i'm jen and we're meeting and we're at this whatever event, you were a speaker, whatever. Um, and you're like, so tell me about yourself. If I lead with, I'm mom of 18, mm -hmm. that's the end of our conversation. That goes right. Yeah, exactly. People. <laughs> For a while, I felt like no matter what I say or what facet of myself I want to put out there, 
the second people find out about that, it is, it doesn't matter. And I never resented that because I love being mom of 18, but I was like, you know, I felt deflated. Like there's so- What about me? (laughs) Kind of, like that's, that's, and then I, then I kind of hit the point where I thought that's the biggest part of who I am. So I wrote a book about my dysfunctional childhood and it was my third grade teacher that changed my trajectory and my perception. And I realized like to her, I was worth it to her. I was smart, even though things got worse in the house for her. And I talk about her a lot, but I mean, she really, really made a pivotal impact in my life. And then I ended up doing foster care and I went through infertility. And so as a woman, Okay, I've been through infertility, I've had babies, I've had miscarriages, I had a hysterectomy at 33. When I lost goosebumps. <laughs> when I lost twins at 19 weeks, my seventh pregnancy. After thinking I would never give birth to a child, but I gave birth to four. And I did foster care and I wanted to make the difference in a difference in the life of a child, like my third grade teacher did. And I did, and that, but then I was divorced. So I've done that and I was a single mom and I was a stay at home mom that breastfed for two years and baked all my kids baby food, you know, and homeschooled. And then I had to find a corporate job and I was a single mom by myself. And, and then I blended families and I'm thinking like everything around being mom of 18, these are huge things that some women go through one of them or I was like, let me hit every, let me check every box on that wild ride. And I'm so grateful and blessed. And that all of the training that I did, you know, gave me and my life experience and the experience with the kids gave me the skill set that was really unique. And it is all about being mom of 18. It's that journey of being mom of 18. So it took me a while to go from like, let's try to not mention that part. <laughs> how did that feel when you didn't mention it? Like, how did that conversation go? I didn't feel as interesting. Right? <laughs> right. Like that's a huge, to, to eliminate that from the conversation, then it's like, well, what's less? Well, there's a lot of things left because I have the podcast and I'm an author and I've had a blog for over eight and a half years and I write for other companies and I'm a coach. And, you know, I mean, like I do workshops and I public speak and there's all these other things, but every single thing that I do, every single thing that I do ties back into being mom of 18, because part of the mom of 18 journey was getting through the dysfunction of my past. Yeah, and I think you took ownership of who you are and what you've been through. I mean, um, it really shows that that's what you care about. Yeah. And that the difference that you wanted to make in somebody else's life, you've done it 18 times, plus you, 19, and countless others with whatever else you've been doing with the coaching and the blogging and the writing and however many other lives you've touched. And I loved that. So I I tried to stay away from it because I wanted to have a conversation about who I was. That's how I felt Mm -hmm. at the time. And and this was a few years ago. Um, And then I thought, I, there's no separating it. Also, some business coaches tell you to keep your, this at least was the train of thought, mm-hmm. keep your business and your personal life separate. And there was no possible way for me to do that. And as soon as I was like, nope, screw it. That doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it felt boring and only 
like I was showing up part way, you know, and it wasn't really who I was. And I, so I had to be okay with the fact that no, they're not going to ask me about like my running probably <laughs> like something it's going to, we're going to, it's going to just be taken over. Yeah. Uh, now I do present it in a different way. And and that feels like a good happy medium. I had to introduce myself recently and I said, uh, you know, I'm a mindset coach and a speaker and my platform, my flagship platform is compounding joy. So I use the theory of compound interest to do small daily easy tasks that add up in a positive way over time. I, I taught a lot of conflict resolution and stress management and I felt like that was really easy. Like this is happening now and you have to deal with it now. And it's very stressful. And I'm a very preventative medicine mindset person. So I wanted to remove us from the ER. Conflict and stress is going to happen. But if I can get your mindset different, if I can use compounding joy to increase your gratitude and joy, then when conflict and stress happens, you're in a better place to handle it well. And so that's what I do. I'm a published author. I have a podcast and I'm also a mom of 18. And so it's the last thing that, and <laughs> my coach was listening to me. I have a coach that does keywords and SEO and stuff, but she was listening to me and she goes, wow, way to punch it in at the end. And that was actually the difference. Like, this is what I do. This is the problem I solve. And this is who I am at the end. And Yes, instantly. We're not talking about like, I want to sign up for your coaching program. We are all going to be talking about mom of 18. But yeah. that's how, you know, it was working in my own life and in these kids' lives. When I, when I was crafting all of this years ago, I went back to what skill sets did I learn? Not what degree do I have? But what, what skills did I build? What was my toolbox? And how does that equate? Like, what did I do in my own life to be super positive and optimistic and handle mm -hmm. stress and conflict? And how did I teach these kids how to do that and manage it? And that, I, so I kind of worked backwards in it that I want, it's all about a mindset for me and an attitude. And Mom of 18 is a huge part of how I honed that. So there have been changes. The Naked Podcaster, in the last, wow, it's been nine months for me, but you know, you record several months ahead of when it releases. So in the last six months, I launched this co coaching podcast. So I, the, the podcast has four legs now. There's four categories and there's the traditional interviews like we did the first time. And then the, if you've been a guest, there are the coaching interviews like this one where i want you to be a coach. Um, and then I have a series called Stripping with My Daughters. We're different. I've interviewed different daughters because we're, we're getting naked. We're bearing it all. And it, it's their, they're adults now, but it's their perspective from their child yeah. and my perspective of the parent. So the last one I recorded was about the divorce. Yeah. It was how she processed the divorce as an eight-year-old child and what was happening to me as her mom at that time and how you can both, you both could have handled it differently. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's very, it's got to be very cathartic. You know, it's, I think it's super healing in a lot of ways. There's a lot that kids, that people, that people in general, but kids don't talk to you about. And part of that is that they don't know how, they don't have the tools to have those they conversations. Words, they don't know how to identify the feelings, the emotion, the overwhelm. Yeah. All of that. And I revamped my website. So I've been a coach and a speaker and I've done it. I have actually like for, for off and on for 30 years, I have done some sort of coaching and speaking. Yeah. 
but I never kind of put it together and was like, here it is. So I've had beta testers and groups and groups of people that went through, but I didn't like advertise it. Yeah. I, there's some fear there that I don't understand yet. At my, and my, we're recording this on June 5th or 6th. Fifth. Fifth. <laughs> Fifth. We're recording this. My podcast went live today. I mean, my, I'm sorry, my website relaunch went live today. So it's a hot mess right now. If you go onto it, like there's stuff missing and stuff, you know, because when you migrate and change it, and it's just a mess. But what's exciting is there's this work with Gen Tab that never used to be there. That's for the yeah. speaking and the coaching and the workshops. And I've never advertised it and tried to monetize it. Mm -hmm. I, I do this thing where I talk about what I do and how much I love it. And it, it's like, great, right? It's a grand thing. And yeah. you ask me about it and I make myself very small. And I'm not sure how else to describe it, but um, like, I don't question, I'm not afraid to charge. I don't question my expertise. I don't have imposter syndrome. I have over 28 years mm -hmm. of working this system. Um, and longer than that, but like I, with the kids, I can track my oldest daughter's 28. So when I really, really started digging hard and do work and become a foster parent and did that training, it's, it's been 28 to 32 years that I've been doing this. And not once have I ever offered it on my website and asked people to sign up to my coaching Yeah. or get paid to speak. I'm always like, Oh no, I'll just do it. Yeah. So, so I'm like, the rubber's meeting the road. <laughs> I, you know, you get tired, I think, after a while. Yeah. Um, it's exhausting to have something that you feel like is a great thing to offer, where you can really make a difference in other people's lives and talk about it, but then not offer it. And if you do offer it, you give it away. Like, you know, you want to speak at this event. What do you usually charge? Oh, no, I'll just, like, let me just be there. I just like to get the experience. So I always am like, this is what it is. I'm convincing you. I'm talking about how passionate I am. I want to do this. And then as soon as, and it was not, it's not a money issue for me. There's something else in that. And it's not an imposter syndrome. I mean, it could be a little bit of both, but that's not the main issue why I don't. And I think what comes up for me and you can certainly dive in on this, is that when I say mom of 18, the response I get 100% of the time is, oh, I only have X kids, one, two, three, four kids. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And I instantly feel like somehow, now this is me projecting, dude, I've been in the trenches with you this whole time. So I have, a, I mean, when I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, I've just had more times, I did family Costco style. I've had- fail and figure it out and get my shit together that's it that, the only difference between you and me is that i have had i've done this in a volume way yeah and it's like managing a team as if you know it's your team of three is a team of 18 for you you know and so i i'm so worried that people will feel like not necessarily that i'm on a pedestal but that i'm like they can't they don't it's they can't like, make the leap between where they are and where you are. Is that possibly complain or talk to me about anything? Because good God, mm. how, how can somebody with three kids possibly complain about their life to somebody with 18? And that's the general feeling that I get from people. Mm. Oh my gosh, I only have three. Like, I'm out. Let me back up to something you said earlier in terms of wanting to make a difference. 
Mm. So how do you want to make a difference in your clients' lives? I want to give them the actions that resonate with them. So I have a lot of different ways you can do the same thing that they can do that take very little time every day, but that really increase their gratitude. They're shifting their mindset so that it's kind of like why I use my calendar. I want them to have accountability and priority of themselves and their attitude and belief system. I want to put them in a better space with much more gratitude so that they're able to handle the stuff that's thrown at them. We can't eliminate conflict and stress, but you can handle it better. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me with 18 that you've learned how to do that. Yeah. And that you keep learning how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no choice. Yeah. And there's science behind everything. I mean, I didn't know when I, started this and just kind of started it back 30, 28, 30 years ago. I didn't know the science behind it. We didn't even have internet back then. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe for some. <laughs> we can stop counting now. <laughs> we, go, we had a little library. <laughs> um, so yeah, doing it isn't the issue. And I know how much of an enormous difference it can make because I've done it, not only with myself, but with all these kids coming from different places. Do you have case studies at all that you've written up or that you have in your mind that you see the success and to, you know, describe that success to other people? I don't, I've never written up a case study. So if you're saying like I took my 18 kids and I took the people that I've, I've spoken to over time. Mm -hmm. and write up a case study on them? No, I've never done it that. It doesn't have to be that formal. I just mean it could be a testimonial. It could be an email they sent you saying how awesome you are, how much you helped me, you helped me. You know, I no longer jump to the worst conclusion. I now think, oh, okay, maybe they do have my best interest in mind, that they're not trying to undermine me. You know, all those negative thoughts that can yeah. derail the, the state of being grateful or the state of neutrality. Just, I'm just wondering if, there's an external validation for you that says this works for me. Yes. Rather than just your own opinion. No, I do. I do have that. And um, I have that from some of my kids, although I've never asked them formally, but a couple of them have just like written the thank you note type mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful. Um, and I have testimonials from people and I do have it on a Google document. Mm -hmm. And I have those on the website. I have a couple of them on the website now. And yeah, so I, I did do that. Mm -hmm. So you can see right there in black and white how you're making a difference for people. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And are you, I just want to back up for a second about the, you know, it's interesting we're having this conversation now because the book that I just wrote and turned into the publisher on Monday is really covering this. It's really a mix of the outside work, the action that you mentioned, that that's what you want your clients to take is that outside work. Okay. But at the same time, you said you work on the mindset. And the book is really about the interchange and the yin and yang between the two of, you know, people who need the inner work are really concentrating on the outer work and the people who need the outer work are really concentrating on the inner work and, and they're not taking that other step, the one that's uncomfortable. And so that interplay is like 
where am I and how do I want to make a difference to people? You've got external validation. You know it already. So what's stopping you from taking that action to say, I can make a difference for, for my clients? I really believe that I can. I've really seen it. And I think one thing was switching gears, which was several years ago, from working with kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can take those treatment level kids, the toughest of the toughest kids, right? And work with them. And there's something easier about bridging the gap with kids than there is with adults. So I- Yeah, they're not as entrenched. Those comfort ruts, those ruts are not as deep. The kids are like, oh, I can get out of this and I can move on to the next thing. Adults are like, oh, they're going around and around in that deep rut. Yeah, the hamster wheel. Yeah. yeah. Super fun place to be. Right. So I, like, honestly, I don't know why I haven't just done it before now. And doing it doesn't seem like any big deal. <laughs> Yet it is. So I'm not sure why I didn't um, do it in this way. I, I think I hoped, which a lot of new entrepreneurs do, like, if you build it, they'll come. Like, look, I have yeah. a website. Where is everyone? Yeah. I, it's the exact opposite of what actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can tell you. <laughs> that does not happen. And I don't, you know, I don't understand how things build either. So with this podcast, I did it, and it's been over three years now. And I built it, and I looked for people, and they came on. And then now I have three companies who send me people, I can turn people away. It takes like 10 months for this recording to actually go be launched, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I have to uh, block off my calendar a lot more. So people are finding me every, yeah. and everywhere and they're reaching out to, like I haven't found, I haven't looked for a guest in nine or 10 months. Yeah. And I don't want to because I don't- You have other things to do. You have a higher value, yeah. And I'm booked so far out at this point that it doesn't make sense to find guests. So things can build. And I did a lot of work on that. I'm not saying like, I just slapped it up there and people came over. No, I like work my butt off on the podcast. Yeah, you planted a lot of seeds that have come to fruition. Yeah. It's, it grows on that end where people find me, but not in the numbers. And so there's all kinds of confusing things about how this whole build it and they come and put in the work and do the outreach. It's, it's very confusing to me. So, you know, I don't know, because when I wrote the content and I did it and I put it up and it went live, it wasn't stressful or hard or scary. I did not lose sleep. It was no, yeah. that doesn't mean the copy's like great yet. It's probably not. Yeah, no, but that's an easier part than making a sales call or getting someone to say, yes, I want to pay you money. Right. Um, I did start a couple months ago to do things differently. So there's a virtual summit I'm speaking at next week. And it was a virtual summit prior to COVID, prior to, it was at the very beginning of 2020. And then yeah. what runs it, you know, she actually, she and her family, the five of them live in an RV and travel the country. And she's very cool. And so it was always a virtual summit. And when I heard about it uh, and she told me about it, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to apply. And when I applied, you know, they're asking for information. I, I really don't know the answer. I'm like, do you have a workshop you want to do? Yep. I have a workshop. 
I don't have that put together right now. And I just went with absolutely my gut. Yeah. I wanted to do it and that I had it. This was giving me an opportunity to do it. You're asking me if I want to offer a free workshop after I give my speaking thing. So anyone in the workshop that wants to gets funneled into my website and my Facebook page and is in my, are you kidding me? Like you're, yeah. I want to do I, I I can't I don't know how to set that up for myself yet so yeah. this was back in February of 2020 I just jumped in and went with it I didn't have worksheets done I did not have the workshop I, I did I did have that pretty dialed I mean I have all my content yeah so even if it's a rough draft and I just jumped in and when I did that I it felt so good yeah you felt I mean it seems like everything you're describing is in alignment like when when you're aligned it comes out easily and you just jump over and do it actually it sounded like you took the leap without having felt ready at all it sounded like you took the leap without being ready I wasn't like I didn't have all my worksheets and I didn't have the structure and there's no I'm very much like that I like structure I like yeah. systems I had no systems in place for this and yeah. I again like I didn't lose any sleep it didn't stress me out and I thought huh that's interesting so why wouldn't I do that? <laughs> um, I think it's easier though. Like this was a great opportunity where there'll be exposure. Um, I, it made me realize that whole, that whole process made me realize my favorite places to speak are women's retreats. Yeah. I wouldn't have known that before. Yeah. This is that was great clarity from that, you know, application process. And it's so silly. It was an application process that I'm doing it and it's happening and it's great. Yeah. All that's fine. But like for making, putting myself, like it wasn't even out of my comfort zone. I just did it. I didn't think yeah. about my comfort zone. Right. I just knew yeah. I wanted to do it. Yeah. It felt easy. felt good. Period. Right. Yeah. And now on the backside, I was like, holy cow, I got to get some worksheets together. And I well, did. I got to get it together. <laughs> what? I just did it. Yeah. Did it. It wasn't. So one of the things that I think you pinged me about originally was the value that people are getting when they pay you, because it's like, you didn't have the pay option on there or work with me or whatever the button says now, but now you have that on there. And it seems like that's a little uncomfortable and scary. So what value is someone who clicks that button? Tell me just in a sentence or two, what that value is. I want them to have a life that's happier, that has less stress and less conflict only because they're in such a much better space. I think for myself, some things that might be conflict for one person don't even show up in my life as conflict or stress because I'm just not on that wavelength. I just, they're no longer. I mean, I really talk a, a lot about retraining your brain to search for the positive in the world, like in general. And mm -hmm that exercise teaches your brain that your body what you do matters mm -hmm. and love the geeky science behind it but i know i mean people could lose weight yeah. i so what's the what's the good and the positive that can come out of someone clicking that button work with jen i think they'll be happier overall in their life more connected they'll have better so how do you measure happiness mm. I don't know. And I think that's what probably, I think feeling, sleeping better, exercising more, um, realizing that you don't feel as depressed and overwhelmed. 
I think maybe it's a lack of the things you don't like instead of noticing that you're smiling all the time. Um, as a, as someone who feels happy almost all the time, uh, I think you realize things that bother you before don't bother you anymore. Or you, so it's really about the awareness yeah. between the two. Yeah, between, because it doesn't have to be absolute depression and euphoria. Those are not the two gauges. It's, right? it's, a, it's yeah. a closer. It's a much closer gap, but that feeling overwhelmed and that feeling like it's not worth getting out of bed or that feeling like um, you don't want to leave your house, mm -hmm. you know, because you're just in that space or not knowing how to parent your kids. I mean, being a mom and being overwhelmed that's huge. Yeah. So it's really, what I'm hearing you say is that it's really about the getting out of that fear stage where they're overwhelmed and can't take any action to the place where they can take action or they can um, up their awareness of what's around them in terms of I'm not as depressed or I'm not as unhappy or I'm not as upset or I do have an idea of what to do. So it's just a different mindset that they've worked themselves into with your help. Yep. Engaging that, I mean, it's really difficult. It's not like drink a gallon of water. <laughs> right. Right. So it's the metrics around it. Like, how do you prove that someone's happier? Right. Well, I mean, and you can, you can know, and that's the other thing about compound interest is that it's time. I mean, my, my flagship program's a year and it's a year for a reason because this is not a magic wand. You're not taking a pill today that changes it. I'm giving you really easy, small things to do. I'm giving you accountability. Oh, oh what are you pulling out? <laughs> ah! I need to get one of those. I found that on the street, you know, I usually run or exercise in the mornings and I found that on the street years ago and I had another one in my uh, briefcase and it fell out when I was traveling and so one of my, one of my clients sent me a group of six of them so now I hand those out. <laughs> well, it is a magic wand but it doesn't happen instantaneously. That's right. And so that's the metric that's hard. So when people click that button, I know if you do these things and take these steps and follow the journey with me and you have priority of yourself and yeah. you have accountability with me and you do these small steps over time, you're, it's, it's like negative stuff's insidious. It just snakes in a little bit here and then all of a sudden one day you're like, how did I yeah. get? I want to flip the script on that. I want to be like, holy cow, how did I get here? But you know how you got there. And it's the opposite. And yeah. I, it's so much easier to notice negative. Yeah. We're in a very negative society and instant gratification and entitled sometimes. And so you have to be, and that's why I like women's retreats because this group of women has paid money to remove themselves from their normal world and step out out of their comfort zone into this other group of other women because they want to make a difference in their lives. They're at that point where like, yeah, great. Yeah. But I've, I'm willing to take this step. Those are the women that I love to speak to and connect with. Yeah. So I think the clarity for you on who you can help and how you can help them 
is really important for you to be able to articulate that. So articulating that this isn't an instantaneous change, you need to be willing to put time and effort into it and make yourself a priority is super important in whatever materials you're putting out there um, and in the messaging that you're repeating. Um, because you do have the testimonials, you do have the information, you already have a kudos file in there. You know, that's one of the things I tell people who are suffering from imposter syndrome is make sure you have this file available that you can look at when you're feeling like you can't do anything right or you don't know what you're doing. You're already doing that part of it. I think the disconnect for you is articulating the value that you can provide for others. You just mentioned time as being the factor that's the hardest. If they do the work, and they are with you for a year that it will make a difference for them. So articulating the time aspect and doing the work aspect, I think is both really important for you to be able to do um, in your cycle of working with people and having them click that button and be um, all on board with how you operate and how you can help them. Um, I wanna understand what you, think your value is and I'm gonna do this a little bit different way and not not in respect to the to the clients that you work with but just in articulating your top let's say we'll start with three skills but if you want to give me more than three we can start there out of all that work that you did over you know raising your 18 kids and through a marriage and the demise of a marriage and and finding work and you know cultivating that and cultivating your own business, you've learned a lot and you've got a lot of different skills. So what do you think your top three to five skills are? Finding resources, 100% is my top one. 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, because I can't be everything to everybody. And so it was really important to me with kids. I have a son who's autistic, for example. Mm -hmm. um, I got really, really good at finding resources. Mm -hmm. I mean, way back like 16 years ago, eBay used to sell clothes in lots. Mm -hmm. They still do, but it used to be really inexpensive where you could get like a certain size clothes for my kids that were all brand names and in really good shape and I could buy it for like $15. And I remember my daughter being in eighth grade and a friend was like, I thought your mom was a single mom and there's like nine of you at home. And she said, yeah, there is. And she, and her friend was like, how are you dressing in Abercrombie? And mm -hmm. I was really good at resources in every single way. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, that is my number one skill knowing cannot do it alone it takes a village and finding the resources mm -hmm. um the other thing that i'm really awesome at that i love to do is that there is a silver lining in everything mm -hmm. and i love to find it and i don't like the word capitalize there's got to be a better because that sounds like you're trying to take advantage <laughs> I, I was I used the word exploit earlier today and and the the woman I was working with was like no I don't like that word. <laughs> I mean capitalize brings up some negative feelings or so, I don't know but like as we're, we're like it's June 5th there are there's COVID and riots happening as yeah. we are so no matter when people are listening to this there are going to be stressors outside right but I love to figure out what are the opportunities in the silver linings? And then use those, use mm -hmm. the opportunities. And that is part resource, but it's a little different because you yeah. can really start. So I think, um, I think you mentioned um, finding the silver lining. It's finding means you have to be looking 
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but most people don't take the time to find it or even look for it. And I think that skill for you, you just use that as an assumption. Of course, I'm looking for the silver lining. Because, well, I know that that's something that I do that a lot of people have a harder time doing because you get overwhelmed with the, all the things, the stress. Yeah. Um, and I don't really. My brother-in-law came over once and he looks at me and he goes, are you really as laid back as you make yourself seem? Because I'm very extroverted and I'm loud, but I'm like, nothing really bugs me. And I'm like, ask your brother. He stuck with me 24-7. And Dane looks at him and goes, dude, she is the most laid-back personality I have ever met. Like, nothing. I, nothing ruffles her. Yeah. I, you can throw anything at her, and she'll be like, huh, okay. And because I instantly go to that space of, well, how would this impact us in a positive way? Like, what are the pros from this situation? Yeah. Really, I don't. I'm super laid-back. So that is one of my skills. Um. I think another skill is that I really get where people are. So I don't know if that's empathy or compassion or a combination or it's something intuitive about me. I'm not sure where that falls within me, but I get struggle. See them. Yes. You can see them. I see them because I, that's so important. I think the bit, one of the biggest things that people want is to be seen. They want to be seen and they want to be heard and they want to feel that. Yeah. And I think that um, the reason people can't move on is that they don't feel seen. Yep. And then the corollary is that they don't feel heard. And I think if your top skill is taking people where they are, finding them where they are, you know, meeting them where they are, that is something that needs to come out loud and clear as part of your messaging and the value that you provide people because that's one of the reasons people seek out companionship. And that is why the underworld of prostitution exists, is they're seeking that, that deep need to be seen and heard. And if that's one of your top skills and that's what you're doing for people, then that's going to be really powerful for you. Yeah. On my podcast page, my new podcast page, I talk about another thing that I love to do when I'm not the one talking, is hold space. So meeting somebody where they're at is hugely important for me. And we don't have to have had the same struggle, but boy, do I feel you. So I love meeting them where they're at, and I love holding the space. And that was a big thing when I started the podcast three years ago, is that mm, a big part of what I saw in my role to be in interviewing people was meeting you where you are. And once we've done that, I'm just holding the space. I'm just creating a safe space for you to be seen and be heard. And so, yes, it's important to do that. But if someone doesn't feel like you're holding that space for them and that it's safe, they won't allow themselves to be seen and heard. And that it's, I mean, I, I do say those things. I'll make sure that I say them more. I think the word safety or the word safe has to be part of your value and your messaging in there. Okay. Um, I mean, I know from personal experience <laughs> that I'm, I am not going to disclose things unless I feel safe. Yeah. And, and I know that um, people that I work with in the coaching side are not going to disclose things to me unless they feel safe. 
and I've seen it firsthand in myself and in the people that I work with, that if they don't have that level of safety, they're still going to be in crisis mode over here. They're still going to be in the fight or flight uh, mode and, and just paralyzed, overwhelmed by fear. They're never going to get to the place where they can actually have that conversation where you can help them. I think that's important that you provide that safe space. Yeah, and we don't, uh, the, I just think it's beautiful how different we all are and we're in different places because how much would it suck if we were all the same, you know? So I think finding those unique special, it, it, that goes back to resources too. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not like a pretty word, but really like, what is it about you? What do you offer? What do you bring to the table that's really so unique and great? Because I see that as looking at a person and finding a resource in them. Um, right, it gets to the unique value and the results that they can get for other people. And it's very, I think people have a hard time articulating it for them. So when I ask people what are their top three to five skills and they really think about it, and I know you did some pre-work before we talked. Right. Um, so... That's important because I think a lot of people can't articulate it at all. They're like, I'm just a mom. And for you, I'm just a mom of 18. <laughs> you know, and that conversation can go from there. And it's like, if someone's not actually owning, yeah, you may be a mom and you may be a mom of 18, but there are some skills in managing that household. And there are some skills in managing those personalities. And there are some skills in shaping those human beings. And those skills and be able to articulate that, you know, is super important. And I think you've started down the path of doing that and refining what your top skills are. I, I want to ask about the, the laid back and the unfazed part of it, because I think that to me speaks to crisis management. What do you want to know about? Yeah, maybe it does. Um... I think crisis management is helping people feel safe in the midst of chaos. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I think that, well, that was the role. I don't know if it was my role or if it was the role I took as a kid. Mm -hmm. So it's a very ingrained. I mean, I felt I was the oldest of two kids. I felt like I was partially taking care of people and, um, you know, not like a hundred percent. It wasn't like that, but, I took on a very adult role and things were very stressful growing up, really violently stressful. And I love to make people laugh. It's a coping mechanism. Coping mechanism, right. And I still think laughing is like one of the best things ever, but I, but it doesn't have to be in a, an urgent conflict yeah. state. Um, but I took on that role when I was probably around six yeah. and, uh, when things really started to go south. And then I was really good at being on high alert and in survival mode for a very long time. And when you feel like you have to have a bag packed under your bed so you can run for years at a time, um, that's a different skill set too. That's a terrible place for your brain to be. Yeah. But it made me real, I, as, as loud and extroverted as I am in my personality, there's a part of me that will, um, in crisis, retreat and check it out and do that whole, that same thing that I did. You have to scan the environment for what's dangerous because I lived that way. Right. And figure out how to get out of it. Figure out like, what are the things in here that we can use? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you know firsthand that that anxiety mm -hmm. 
doesn't allow you to move to a spot of happiness. Like, like you keep, there's, that's not even in the picture. Like it's not in the picture you see when you're on that level of anxiety and high alert. So I think being able to articulate the, I, I have been there aspect to this and the, I know how to get you out of it because I did that for myself. And then I, I worked with kids that were in the toughest of the tough, their treatment level kids are the toughest are coming in and out of juvie or in and out of mental hospitals or in and out of like the worst abuse that you can imagine. Yeah. And even the kids that weren't in that, you know, then kids grow up, your, your normal myological kids, you know, they're in the wrong place at the wrong time or have that friend that's not so good. And, and so I, we've had lots of, tragic moments that the kids have had that have nothing to do like it had nothing to do with my parenting you know those things still happen and so in those moments I just think I got really good at taking that step back and evaluating and not wanting to stay there so I I got good at it um I love learning people's pain points Mm -hmm. figuring out a solution Mm -hmm. I always tell them that and people don't like that doesn't resonate. And the example I use is a funnier one. Like when I had all these little kids and I was washing so many cups every day. This is so dumb, right? Like I was washing two dishwashers full of cups. It just felt like never, because a kid would get a cup and use it and put it down. And I don't remember which one is mine. And I couldn't spend all of my time washing cups. It drove me freaking like crazy, this cup situation. So I color coded my kids. That is exactly what I did. <laughs> so we have to now that, and that's a silly example, right? That like yeah. life's not going to end. I'm not urgent. I'm washing a lot of cups, big deal. But we have things in our lives that create stress. They're pain points in our lives. So I need to find what your cups are. Yeah, I think the navigation of that process and navigating the the labyrinth of whatever those things are for that person, it sounds like that is one of the top things that you do with people. Yeah, okay, so I liked what you just said that. So, um, navigating the labyrinth (laughs) of what those issues are for them, yeah. Yeah, I do because, and that's why I use the cup thing. Cause it, I mean, they may not know that. They may know that they're pissed off every day, <laughs> but they don't know why. And so getting to it, like, oh my God, I have to wash another cup. <laughs> my freaking cups. <laughs> when I use that one, then we can laugh about it, right? Because like, Brianna is always purple and Nikki is always yellow and Alana is always, they have been for like 25 years now. My kids have been color coded. So I've like screwed up their conditioning and their colors and, uh, but you know, I mean, like, it's a fun conversation, but at the time, having three kids in diapers and being pregnant and breastfeeding a child that was one and homeschooling older kids, like, those cups drove crazy. So, yes, it is navigating that labyrinth because when I say, well, what are your pain points? A lot of people have no idea. You get a blank look and you're like, I don't know. What are you asking? Like, what (laughs) really triggers you? Yeah. Um, so that's another thing. I gave you six skills. This is great. Um, <laughs> but getting to the essence of how you help people and really, you know, 
peeling those layers back for people and, and being able to get to, to something that will make a difference. And I think the other part that's really important about what you do and, and, and how I've heard you talk about it is when you can solve a problem for them, you know, for them, with them, that it frees up that brain space for something else entirely. And I'm not sure you've articulated that at all in here. And I think that when you're at that high level of anxiety, you can't even see that there are good things going on because all you can think of is how the hell am I going to get out of here if I need to leave? Right. Or I've got to conserve my energy because I've got to be ready when dad gets home. <laughs> you know, those, those thoughts are going through their mind. They may or may not know them, but they're coping in a way that, shuts down everything else and shuts down the possibility of anything else. And I think when you can help people uncover their cup situation that, you know, navigate that, that that frees up such a level of energy they didn't even know they had. And being able to articulate that for people is going to really, I think, elevate the value for you and, and what you can do specifically to help people. Absolutely. No, I have not articulated that because it does free up the brain space. And so there's a couple things going on at the same time. One, you feel tapped out anyway, and I'm asking you to do stuff, even if they're fast and easy. Right. Except we're not going to fit in. Right, right, right. And at the same time, we're freeing up that brain space so that you're actually looking forward to doing those things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I had one woman that I coach and when I came to the exercise portion, I'm like, literally take the stairs instead of the elevator. I'm not telling you to go to a fitness competition. Right. You don't need to marathon train. I'm telling you to walk to your mailbox, to take the stairs instead of the elevator, to be intentional about standing up and moving your body, just to stretch, like lay on your bed and stretch or your couch in the middle of the day when you're working from home. Um, it was really little things and she had such a hard time and I'm like, let me know what time you're going to the mailbox. I'll walk to mine with with you and that was it I mean it was it was such a sticking point for that one person and as soon as we did it it was like a week later she's like oh and then I did this and I'm counting my steps and I have the pedometer on my phone and I mean it because it freed up the something freed up the brain space in that process for her so that it didn't seem like a chore and right. it shouldn't it it should go from seeming like a chore being something kind of fun and having accountability and prioritizing yourself mm -hmm. And then, um, and then it's second nature. Yeah, I think the important part in there is that they don't feel like you're adding one more thing to their to-do list. No. Like making yourself a priority doesn't mean something else falls off the list <laughs> or things fall too far down on the list. It just means it's, it's, a, it's an interchange <laughs> or exchange. Yeah, it is an exchange. And it's a really, really good exchange because you, what you're doing isn't working. Yeah. And I think articulating for that to people that they're not going to have to, you know, <laughs> throw their to-do list out and put themselves on it for, you know, hundred percent of the items is, is helpful. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Because now you say self-care and I mean, I just see women like, Oh, I don't have time for that. One more thing I'm failing at, you know, like, great. She yeah. does self-care too. Yeah. And it's too bad because it's really, really important. But saying that just elicits this fear. I, yeah. I have an interesting statistic I want to throw out at you. When I look at all of my analytics, my number one group, I, first of all, over everything, I'm 60% women. 
which is great because I'm targeting women. I'm targeting moms, yeah. but it's not discounting anyone else. But my, my avatar is a mom who's clearly a woman. Um, so <laughs> 60% women, <laughs> surprise. Um, and they are age 28 to 44. And their number one profession is executive. So executive women who are moms who are 20 to 44 is my number one demographic. And I know this because I have a coach that does analytics stuff. And I was like, oh, that's, yes, that is my demographic. So the good news is somehow 60% of who I'm drawing in is that demographic. I didn't necessarily know that they would be executives. The second demographic is 18 to 24, still 60% women, still a lot of them moms, predominantly moms at 18 to 24, but they're college students. Mm. Now, I don't know why I'm telling you this, except I thought it was important. But as far as women who are stressed, they're the, the moms that are working really hard, whether it's at college or in a corporate job, and are parents, you know? So it's these women, parents, working really hard, either at getting through school or in the executive I think that's very fascinating. So is it really working moms who feel like they're at the bottom of their to-do list? I don't know. I find that fascinating. I would have thought without knowing that, that I would attract stay-at-home moms. Mm. And one, I think less moms are staying at home. Mm -hmm. And I also think this is sad, and I don't know that it's true, but it, this is from my personal experience. When I did 10 years as a stay-at-home mom, as opposed to the 10 years that I was corporate, I worked on myself more in a corporate environment because I was exposed to that. So yes. I'm thinking maybe it's not that they need me more. I'm thinking more that they're looking. More. Yeah. No, they feel it on a daily basis. I'm overwhelmed. I got to go pick up the kids from school or how's this going to happen? Now I got to go to Boston, you know, like all, all of that, like every little bit of that is, is in their face every single day. And they feel like they're not getting ahead. They feel like they're not taking things off their to-do list. It's, you know, they truly do feel overwhelmed. And so when they feel like, oh, I got to get help or this is just, this is not going to keep working the way it is, you know, then they, they turn and find someone like you. I just think stay-at-home moms are not doing that. And, and that could be partially because people in college are getting student loans that you can use outside of just your books and tuition. When I went to school, I did. I, I used it for a couple things that really, like babysitting. Or, you know, you can use it for some things that normally you wouldn't be able to. And I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying I know that they have funding available. Yeah. Student. That you have to pay back people so yeah <laughs> executive when you're an executive when you're working in a corporate also are getting there's a monetary exchange whereas a stay-at-home mom right you have neither and you have the added mindset of i'm staying home this this is you know i'm not supposed to have to seek out outside help that that mentality is running mentality but i just find that it's interesting that that's those are the two biggest demographics across all my channels. They're all the same. They're one or the other of those. 
And I don't know if that makes a difference in how I approach my language or, but like I said, if men wanted to show up or a, a woman who wasn't a parent, yeah. that would be fine, but I'm going to focus on who I feel is the main demographic. I just didn't know it would be executive. Yeah, and I think narrowing it down to what actually matters, you know, if they're feeling overwhelmed, you know, on that particular word or they don't know where to start or whatever words they resonate with, you might have to do some testing to figure that part out. But at least you can hone in on, you know, a particular scenario involving an executive woman who's, you know, 42 and has, you know, three kids, you know, put your, put your detailed, you know, ideal client together and, and speak to that person. And if you're, you have another one who's college aged, are those words going to be the same or different? Um, you know, so I would just pick one person and speak to that one person. Exactly, exactly. But when you, I think I, I that's why I brought it up because you were talking about the language that I use in saying that. And I was like, that, that's why that's spurred that train of thought. And I think the strengths that you mentioned in terms of um, being able to find resources, you know, that's super important if you're overwhelmed and feel like you're at the bottom of your to-do list and you're running from thing to thing and you're trying to juggle an executive level job, you know, that's an important thing because they may have to do that in their job too, but they don't see that they have to do it at home. <laughs> They're not making that leap. Right. I think a lot of women. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. then I don't think that they have, I think <laughs> viscerally or in theory, they know they need help or they know they can't do it alone. They either have a spouse or they have a nanny or they have, you know, some support network in place um, or they feel like they don't have any support network in place. I think that not doing it alone and, you know, that mindset that you bring to the table is really important to that particular group. And I, I think the other part of um, looking for the silver linings, that's central to the, to the mindset change that you're trying to make for people. Yeah, it is. I mean, that to me is the essence of what you're doing, the compounding joy. I mean, that right there of looking for the silver lining in each situation, I mean, it can be as simple as um, when I would go to DC and you take the Metro and you're waiting for your train, you've got five minutes, walk up and down the train platform. You've just got five minutes of exercise in. It's like finding the time in what you're already doing. It's not like you're telling them you have to find five more minutes in the day. It's really taking the time that they have in the situation that they have and then finding what's going to work for them. So it's that I think that message of silver lining in, in where you are is important. I am. Um, yeah, the number one thing, the first thing that I tell people, my first tip that I ask people to do, and I'll do it with you, you can text me every night, is writing down three new things that day that you're grateful for. Because mm -hmm. it changes your brain to look for the positive in the world. So the first number one thing that I want people to do as an exercise is to train your brain to search for the silver lining. And yeah. I, I do squats while my coffee's microwaving. Yeah, exactly. I totally do jumping jacks. <laughs> so it is, it's like, you know, what do you do? Well, what, what does your day look like? And, yeah. and finding those moments where like, well, while the microwave is going, yeah. you know, um, 
yes, I, that's the biggest thing that I'm trying to teach them to do. And silver lining may not be the right way to, to phrase it, but I am trying to train you to see the positive in every situation. I think silver lining is kind of a universal term that people are like, oh, okay. I think it has good connotations. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard for people to wrap their head around something positive when they're just steeped in negativity and overwhelmed. So silver lining might be a good word for that. You're just going to have to test and see what words resonate. But I think that's an important concept for you to put out there for your value. And so when someone does push the button, talk to Jen, is like, I got this. I know how to help you and I know how to help you without sending you over the edge into overwhelm. I know how to help you um, just one tiny baby step towards changing your mindset. Um, because I think those, the people that are like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know where to start or I don't even like, what would I even give up? And where am I going to fit in exercise? I mean, I, I've been, been there. Like, what, how is that actually going to fit in? I mean, I'll give you one personal example was when my 18 year old, he's almost 19. When he was in kindergarten, the teacher's like, well, read to him for 20 minutes a day. And I was like, okay, well, we read at bedtime and, and like, a month into this, I was like in tears, like, how am I gonna, like, how am I gonna fit 20 more minutes in the day? I'm already working as an executive in a startup. I've already got three kids. They're all in school. They're all in sports. We're all going different directions. I mean, it was just like one more thing. And um, it was, it was one of those moments where I was like, it's gonna break me. I don't know where to fit it in. Yeah. Instead of looking at how are we already reading to him 20 minutes of the day, it was like one more stick on the pile that was going to crush me. <laughs> but it's that mindset that you're trying to change. Absolutely. And I think looking for the silver lining, that's not a word I would have heard. It, and, and I think more positive, I would have punched you. you know? <laughs> I'll meet you where you're at. <laughs> so I think that's important is to look for how it's already going well or look for what's working. You might need to use different words with different people depending on how deep they are in that rut of, of overwhelm. <laughs> well, that's huge and true. And a lot of stuff is working or that's why I ask people what their schedule is. Like, what does your day look like? Oh yeah. Because in that, okay, well, there's a commute and how do you commute? Are you driving or are you like, there's all of those moving pieces that that's the pocket, that mm -hmm. pocket. It's the squats in the microwave that it's, you're making your coffee anyway. I did my belly dancing moves in line waiting for groceries. <laughs> all right. Way to step it up. Oh my God. <laughs> Go out together. <laughs> I mean, like whatever works, you know, it's, it's, um, that's how you start to figure out that you're not actually, you'll gain time. Yeah. You will. Yeah. So I'm I think giving people wins and celebrating the wins. Like it's, I mean, because then they get the positive, good feeling and they can move on to the next one and add to it. But I think that, <clears throat> Finding the silver lining and using them is really important concept to be able to articulate about the value you provide as a coach. 
Okay. Absolutely. No, this was awesome. I, this was awesome. Yeah. What I do. Line my brain. That's <laughs> why you do. I know. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I can't wait to write stuff up and show you. Like, you know, I'm happy to take a look at it. Yeah. Because I think that it's important to, to be able to convey that value. And I think that that is one of the things that I found the most difficult to learn along my career path is being able to articulate that value. And I did this at as an, you know, at an executive level to be hired by startups to come in and, you know, help them grow as a company. So articulating what you can do to help them grow as a person, I think is just as important to, to be able to show that that skill that you have in, in terms of being laid back or unfazed or the skill that you have in terms of finding resources, that all of those can be used to help them get out of this place of stuckness. When you asked me what happens when they push the button, I, I mean, like, part of me inside was like, I never Don't push the button. I just, I just, <laughs> Stop. Right? Well, that's what I do, right? Because I can't quantify it and I don't know how to articulate it. And so when you're like, you know, what do they get when they push the button? Like, freaking, I don't know. Just don't push the damn button. How about if we just don't even offer a button? What if there's no button there? Which is what I've done for years and years. But then yeah. people did it on the outside. I yeah. can't know how much. And I don't mind one huge thing for me. And we can wrap this up. But one huge thing is that I was a single mom with no income. Now, my ex-husband was a doctor. So we had income. But to spend on myself is a little bit different, right? So with income, that was difficult. Okay, I've done that stay-at-home mom. I've done the corporate mom where you feel like you're failing in every single thing. Yeah. Right? And I had so much stress about, yes, I want to charge and it's worth it. But what about the moms who need it that are motivated? See, I was a mom who wanted help, look for help, needed help, but couldn't afford it. Jen, yeah. did not have a way to allocate money. Which yeah. priorities? Like I, there's nothing else I can get rid of to make this happen. And I didn't want to lose a mom that was really motivated and my coach is like well you just you you know you have to set it and it has to be done I'm like no I have to do a scholarship program no <laughs> you have to value yourself enough that people pay for what you're offering and can do to help them right but that was a hard thing is leaving those people behind mm-hmm it doesn't mean that you're leaving them behind completely. When you do a summit, like the one that you were talking about and having to fill out that application that shows your value in there, <laughs> that is who you can help because those events, you know, they'll find events like that and they'll find their way to you. Yeah. You know, help the people you can help right now who can pay you to help them. Start there. Right, exactly. And, and I think <laughs> keeping the visceral image in mind of them pushing the button, clicking the button, click, <laughs> is important. Oh, the world didn't end, right? They clicked the button, the world didn't end. Right. And I know, I mean, I know I'll deliver. That's yeah. just like, it's just quantifying that. Yeah. So. And I want 
I want to leave you with this and then I'll show my book cover in a second. Um, I want to leave you with this thought and I believe it's somewhere in the book and if it's not, it should be. Um, how can things go better than you could ever imagine? Okay. How can things go better than you ever imagined? So when they push the button, how can that go better than you can imagine? Okay. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sonia. I appreciate you being on. And now everybody can hire you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, here's the cover of one book. And I don't have the other one in front of me, so I can't really show you that one. But this is it. It's got my name on there. It's S-O-N-Y-A. And the last name is S-I-G-L-E-R. And SoniaSigler.com slash book will get you a downloadable copy of this. And it was a lot of really incredible information. I'll definitely do a second run through. It was. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about doing it again is that you'll hear things you didn't even notice the first time. Of course. Yeah. Cause you weren't there yet. Right. Thank you so much. And we'll have the, the link to your other book because when this releases, it will be available. So that will, that is exciting. Thank you. Thank you for joining today. It's been a pleasure. You can find me at momof18.com and on social media platforms as momof18. A huge thank you to NGBN TV for sponsoring this podcast episode.